Well, hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? I hope that you have been enjoying this week at the Off the Bench podcast. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of time and cover the headlines. I don't know if you guys are watching what's happening in Italy, but it's pretty fascinating. And I'm going to take a little bit of extra time today and answer some listener questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. Well, before I get started today, I want to say thank you to those of you who are watching this podcast via YouTube. We're starting to grow over there. So it's kind of fun to see the video aspect of this moving in a good direction. Lots of things coming down the pike for me. I am going to be getting back out on the speaker circuit in 2023. And so if you're interested in having me come and speak for your event, your event I would be interested in doing that. And you can find out more at HeidiStJohn.com. Just look for the speaker tab and click on the application. I don't know if you guys are watching. So fascinating stuff, right? That's going on in the news. Uh, I, I took a little bit of a hiatus from it because uh, after my run for Congress, frankly, I was just exhausted and uh, took a little bit of a break. But I've been watching lately as something really, really interesting is coming out of Italy. Now, I don't know if you guys are noticing, but it looks like they're poised to elect uh, Georgia Maloney, and she is a, she's a, well, in our country, you'd call her a Republican. I think that she's a traditional conservative. I would call her a conservative. But apparently, according to many of the major news outlets, you're a fascist if you believe in God and family and country. So this is Italy's new prime minister. This is her, her platform. I watched her give a beautiful and brilliant speech the other day talking about why she thinks it's so important that we are able to step up and address the attack against the family. It's one of the reasons why I had Sean Morris on my show yesterday just talking about the attack on the family. It's been there forever. American leftists want you to know that this woman is a fascist because her political rival, the former Italian prime minister, says that she is a fascist. And so folks on networks like CNN have been worrying that Italy's new prime minister is ushering in an era of Mussolini-style politics. You guys, you have to look up uh, Mussolini, right? So anytime the, the left, and the left is evil, right? We should just call it what it is. Liberalism bears no resemblance to the modern left, right? So the, the left is evil, as my friend Dennis Prager would say, liberals are just cowards, right? So the liberals understand what's going on, but they won't speak out about it. You know, I, my, a friend of mine was just telling me the other day that he's trying to go and get a, uh, a gym membership at his local gym. The same thing's happening to 24-Hour Fitness as happened to the YMCA. Basically, whatever gender you identify with, if you, you know, if you're a woman, but you want to be a man, they're just going to let you ride into the men's locker room. If you're a man, but you say that you're a woman, they're going to be like, here you go. Here's the women's locker room for you. This is a very dangerous time in human history because we have put to the side common sense. And so, Facts don't care about your feelings, and that's exactly what is happening in Italy. The Italians are saying, we're done. Like, we're done with you stealing our national identity. We're done with you saying if we love our country, we're somehow nationalists and we need to be feared. If we believe in the traditional family, somehow that makes us bigots and fascists. And this woman, this this leader, is saying that— she agrees with them. The majority of the Italian people who are saying, listen, there's something to be said for tradition. There's something to be said for male and female. And I think it's completely exciting to watch. Now, the, 
I don't know, in, in full disclosure, I only just heard about this woman when she gave her speech the other day in front of the uh, in front of the a, a massive group of Italians who are watching her. And since then, people have been messaging me because I shared it on my Instagram account. People have been messaging me and telling me that she believed in the vaccine passport and she was really pushing for the lockdown. So I don't know anything about that. If that's true, then obviously I would have I would take issue with that. But. The fact that they're calling her a fascist is fascinating to me, right? This is like Antifa, who I'm just 10 minutes from Portland, Oregon. Antifa is saying that they're the anti-fascist. You don't even actually know what the definition of a, of a fascist is. So why is the mainstream media calling this woman who would be Italy's new prime minister a fascist? Well, for starters, she loves Italy. She's proud of its history, and she is defending the family against leftist views, this leftist ideology, which is absolutely evil. And for that, they're calling her a fascist. Listen to this off of the Daily Wire. Perhaps her most famous quote. This is it. I am Georgia. I am a woman. I'm a mother. I'm Italian. I'm a Christian. And you can't take that away from me. She said this, and it sent shivers down the spine of leftists across the globe. Uh, in the critics' mind, enlightened people in Western nations are not supposed to be individual critical thinkers. And that really is the problem. They're supposed to go along with the global elites. But this woman's embrace of motherhood and womanhood represents her embrace of the patriarchy, the very same backward system of oppression that globalists are trying to take down. Being a Christian and a patriot, it's unheard of. And only for the dumb, backward MAGA voters. And you can just hear the CNN newsroom saying, repeating verbatim, the sort of rhetoric tossed around amongst the crowd of the World Economic Forum. And yet, and again, I'm reading for the Daily Wire, and I'll link back to it in the show notes today. Maloney has metaphorically given all these folks the middle finger. She was also staunchly against lockdown. So the, the people that are messaging me on Facebook right now, I'm not... I'm going to do my own research because I, I, I saw a lot of you upset with me for liking what this woman said. But so far, I'm pretty impressed. According to The Daily Wire, she was staunchly against lockdowns and she wanted to get Italy tougher with China in response to COVID. She has zero desire to go along with big government, big tech and big business. Uh, and she doesn't care what they think is best for the entire world. She wants to do what's best for Italy. In other words... She can't be controlled. And her enemies have to understand that her message is appealing. And it's frankly pretty similar to the message that Donald Trump launched to prominence in 2015, because now they're doing everything they can to smear her. What those critics could not possibly anticipate is the quickness with which even her political rivals shot down their allegations of fascism. So this is a story to watch. I hope you guys are going to be paying attention what's happening, what's coming out of Italy right now. We need, and I, I absolutely believe what my friend Sean Moore said on the show yesterday, we need to see a revival in the country and around the world, an, a return to what God says is good. God instituted the family and the family is what's under attack right now. And I'm going to continue to watch what's happening with this uh, this woman you know, I, I told you guys before, I mean, that's the reason why I ran for Congress was to say, listen, the family is worth fighting for. Our values are worth standing up for. And the fact that we have been called names and been canceled off of every platform in the universe that's not controlled, uh, that's controlled by the left should be an indicator 
that something's not right. And so that to me is uh, is encouraging. Also, I thought it was encouraging to see that a, that a lawsuit has finally been filed to block Biden's student loan handout, right? So they're trying to get a, rest- a restraining order to prevent this handout from going into effect. You guys, listen, the, the nation is on the verge of bankruptcy, right? We're in the middle of a recession. We've got inflation that's absolutely through the roof. We're really feeling it. Right. So I used to go, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I think, you know, our family would go out for dinner routinely. We're not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm back to making bread in my kitchen. By the way, this is exciting for me. Some of you may not care, but I made butter in my kitchen yesterday and, uh, and my family came over for dinner. My daughter, uh, my daughter Savannah had a birthday. And so a whole bunch of us were over at the house the other night and we were looking up if it was cheaper to make butter at home. Or just buy it already made. And honestly, it just depends on the the quality of the milk that you get, whether you get raw milk or whether you're looking at um, uh, heavy whipping cream and whether or not it's organic. But if you can find heavy whipping cream on sale, you're going to do better. And it's going to be better for you to just make it in your own kitchen. And so look it up, you guys. Oh, my goodness. Look up. You you know, for all the moms out there are like, wow, you can do that? Yeah. Just go to YouTube and and, uh, search for how to make butter at home. It's fascinating. It's fun. So we were left over with buttermilks. Then we made buttermilk biscuits out of that. Um, I'm having a lot of fun just cooking with my kids in the kitchen and sort of getting back to basics again. And I think that is the upside of the recession that we're in. And and frankly, persecution and suffering uh, are good for people in that regard because it makes us think about what is really important. What do we really care about? What do we really want for our families? What do we want for our country? And we've been silent for a long, long time. And as I've said repeatedly here over the years, I believe that the modern church, the contemporary church, has failed abysmally in its charge to be salt and light to the generations. And we've been failing at that for a long time. And now what we're seeing, and I hope that we can get a handle on this so that we react appropriately to it, because we you can always swing too far the other direction, right? Certainly we see this in parenting. We've seen this in, uh, in, in government and economics over the years. But I'm hoping that we will be, as, a, as believers, coming before the Lord and saying, all right, here we are. What do you want us to do? How do we respond to the times that we're living in so that we can pass on a legacy, or as Sean would say, a dynasty, build a dynasty in our own families of strength and courage for the next generations, for the generations that are following us. Last week, I told you as I was getting ready to go to the uh, the conference in St. Louis, HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, for those of you who are not familiar, they had their annual leadership conference. I didn't get to go last year because of my run for Congress. And then the year before that was canceled because of the Rona. So this was like a family reunion, got to spend some time with Mike Smith, the outgoing president of HSLDA, who's being replaced by my friend, Jim Mason. Mike Ferris spoke. It's, it's, um, it's a wonderful thing to be able to realize that the work that these people have done, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association now for nearly 40 years, has paved the way for freedom for homeschooling in the United States and even around the world. And frankly, these are accomplishments that are worth celebrating. They're worth preserving. And there's something to be said for preserving the good and advancing the good. And what we're seeing happen politically, certainly, I just saw a headline today, and we talked about this last week, Fetterman has taken a lead over Dr. Oz now in the state of Pennsylvania. And that is, that's the real concern, right? That we, we've forgotten what's good 
and we're putting substitutes in. We're like, well, I guess we have to compromise. Compromise is never the answer. They're learning this in Italy right now. I hope I hope to heaven that we're learning this in the church. Compromise is never the answer. And as I survey the landscape in the church right now, I'm going to continue to pray that more and more pastors will speak the truth boldly and plainly. The only answer to a bold lie is bold truth. It has always been that way. And the truth of God's word has uh, rightly declared everything that we need to know that pertains to life and godliness. And so um, as we as we take a break, and I'm going to come back and just address some of your questions, I want you to be thinking with me today, what is my role? What does God want me here for? We know for sure that our lives are to bring him glory. We know we're supposed to answer the lies of the adversary with the truth that comes from the knowledge of God's word, that we're supposed to be able to handle his word rightly and be able to effectively um, use it in the culture right now. And it's never been more important than it is right now. We'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Welcome back. I'm going to answer a couple of questions. I want to remind you, we're getting some really great questions in over at the podcast. I love hearing from you. Just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. We're considering uh, possibly moving to an email question and answer format. But right now, that form is really the best way for you guys to reach out to me. And it keeps helps me keep them in uh in a, in a good order. So we're getting to a lot of different questions on a lot of different topics. So I want to say thank you guys for that. Also, there's a podcast review that was just left by Egypt Bound. So thank you for this. Uh, this listener said, wow, I just found Heidi's podcast after hearing a small portion of her speaking at the first homeschool conference at the Ark Encounter. My goal in starting to listen was for homeschool purposes, and now I'm hooked to your up-to-date civil and social issues. I typically like to start the first episode of a new podcast and work my way to the most current. Well, you're going to have a hard time with that because I've got about 1,800 episodes for you to get back to. Uh, But she said, I was hooked at the title and her topics and wisdom, and now I'm working my way backward, newer to older. Thank you for your honesty and sound biblical information information and knowledge. Heidi, you've encouraged me to get off the bench and involved in the dangers coming from our capitals and our government. This is really encouraging for me to hear. Thank you for leaving that review. Frankly, that's why we do the show. I'm trying to engage with you from a position of strength and from a biblical worldview to say, listen, we don't have to be afraid. Like I told you before, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And when I was running for Congress, there are a few moments that my heart was really gripped with fear, whether it's fear of man, which the Bible says is a snare, or it's a fear of the unknown, which displays a a lack of trust in the Lord. We don't need to be afraid. Why? Because the Bible says our days have already been ordained for us. And so I love that review. Thank you very much. Abby in California wrote to me and said, Heidi, our faithful companion, Nellie, A beautiful and graceful tabby cat of 12 years was recently diagnosed with cancer. What started out as a a problem on her left cheek has grown into a large 
mass a tumor. We are struggling with the idea of putting her to sleep. Just as God has numbered our days in the world, has he numbered the days of our beloved pets as well? Of course, we don't want Nellie to suffer or live a low quality of life, especially since the tumor continues to grow and surgery is not an option. Is keeping her as comfortable as we can until she passes away naturally the better option? Or does God allow us common sense, good judgment, and wisdom to proceed in deciding when to euthanize her? I know for many, this is easy, but I am struggling with it. So uh, it sounds like she's a member of your family, Abby. So I just want to say, listen, as a as a pet owner myself, I understand a lot of times these animals, they really are family. They're an extension of our family. But there's a couple of things. So the Bible is actually not silent on on this issue. It doesn't speak to it directly when it comes to um, uh you know, whether or not you could euthanize an animal. But I think the Bible is pretty clear. In Genesis, God says that uh, God created both man in Genesis 2, verse 7, and animals, Genesis 1, 30, Genesis 7, uh, 15. They, they both have what is called the breath of life, which is to say both man and animal are living beings. The difference between the two arises in Genesis one twenty seven. Listen to this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. This is one of those times in the Bible is very clear. Both men and women are created in the image of God. So in a nutshell, being made in the image of God means that we have in essence a soul, which is a spiritual being that will continue after death. If animals also have a soul that will live on, it is likely a lesser quality. They are not made in the image of God. God created animals before the fall and declared that they were very good. And he also tells us that there will be animals in the millennial kingdom. Uh, Revelation 21.11 describes, or 21 verse one rather describes the new earth and leads us to believe that there will probably be animals in the new earth also, which brings us around to the original question. You know, um, kids, and I just had this conversation with one of my kids the other day. Will I see my animal, my pet in heaven? The Bible is silent on a specific answer, but this much is true. His will far surpass anything that you or I can imagine. So whether or not our pets will be in heaven, I don't know these, uh, but we know, we know for sure that our animals are a blessing on this earth and we're charged with taking care of them. And so when you talk about putting a, a pet to sleep, um, the decision to euthanize a pet, never, never, never easy at all. I'm going to link back to a couple of articles that I thought were really good that I looked up for you. Genesis 126 talks about how mankind has ultimate stewardship over the animals of the earth. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So basically what this means is that we have been given dominion over the animals. And I think this includes the right to kill them for food, right? This is uh, found in Genesis 9 verse 2 to protect ourselves from animals that threaten people's lives. But it also means that we're to care for them with dignity and mercy. Proverbs 12 verse 10 says, whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. And so we never want to be cruel to the animals that God has placed in our care. God takes our responsible our responsibility rather to be merciful to animals as serious. So much so that being merciful to animals was an exception to the command not to work on the Sabbath. Luke 14 verse 5 says, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath would not immediately pull him out. So God's saying, care about care for the animals. And so when we have animals that are sick and are ailing, sometimes making that hard decision 
uh, to uh, to decide whether or not they're going to be euthanized, it's gut-wrenching. But when all the reasonable options have been tried and your animal is still suffering, often the most merciful thing to do is to euthanize it. And there's nothing wrong with this decision. So you are, of course, allowed to do whatever you can to preserve your, your pet's life. But don't let yourself feel guilty if you know in your heart that the best thing that you can do is euthanize your animal when its health is failing. I had a friend a long time ago who was uh, who worked in a veterinary clinic and she told me a story of a young mother who brought her 7-year-old boy uh to be there when his animal he had a dog i think it was a, like a 10-year-old puppy that had been there since before he was born that they ended up having to euthanize. And she had given her son the opportunity to come and say goodbye. They weren't really sure what was going on. They knew the animal was having trouble uh, with its bladder and its bowels, and um, and they weren't entirely sure that the end of its life was near. But when she took him in to be, uh, to be examined by a, a vet, the vet said, you know, showed her this, this animal has multiple tumors, he's just suffering, and they made the decision that day to go ahead and put the animal to sleep. And so they gave her son the opportunity to come in and to sit there and hold his little dog while that dog fell asleep, and they euthanized the puppy. And I, I thought to myself, you know, what a tremendous opportunity for us to be merciful and still teach the very real lessons of life and death. And so... um this isn't a sin issue. I get, I've gotten this question several times, and I think this might be the first time that I've answered it. I'm going to link back to a couple of articles that I thought were good. Randy Alcorn uh, has an, a wonderful article on this as well, and I will link back to that also in the show notes today. Uh, really quickly, I'm going to address Pam in Wisconsin, and she wants to know how to address preferred pronouns. She said, Heidi, how do you answer the question, what are your pronouns? My daughter recently joined a youth orchestra and was asked what her preferred pronouns were. I simply told the person asking, we don't do that. And so I left it at that. If we say, we believe you, now you need to identify as the gender you were born, they're going to write in her name tag, she, her, and hers. How do I answer this without affirming the movement? I think, you know, I said this weeks ago, I don't play the pronoun game for the same reason as I don't talk to, you know, a delusional person's imaginary friend, right? So we're talking about they and them, like making the English language plural to suit the mental and spiritual uh, delusion that we're dealing with in the culture right now. And so I think you handled it completely right. You know, I would say, hey, we're not playing the pronoun game. I don't want you putting she, her, and hers on my daughter's name tag. She doesn't need that. She's obviously a girl. Girls go by girl pronouns. Boys go by boy pronouns. We do not go by plural pronouns. Certainly that's, a that's I don't know what's more ridiculous, but the whole thing's ridiculous. I think you can stand your ground and not participate in this without being rude and unkind. And that really is the issue. When it comes right down to it, you know, we're supposed to speak the truth, the Bible says, in love. And that really is where I want to leave the show today, because that's the most important thing that we will ever do. This The Bible speaks to this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, the head of the church, that is Christ. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth. And Psalm 25, verse 5, guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Proverbs 10.32 says, The lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. And finally, and this is to be the verse that I end on today, Psalm 34, verse 13 says, 
uh, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. This is where I stood in the middle of COVID. It's why I was so frustrated with how our, our country handled the response to the pandemic. It's why I continue to speak out against transgenderism. Uh, God made us male and female. Our DNA is set from the time that we are born. Women cannot become men. Men cannot become women. The idea that we that our pronouns are interchangeable or certainly that they're plural is ridiculous. And we're going to have to stand and just uh, stand kindly, but stand against it. The only answer to a bold lie is bold truth. That's all the time I've got today. I want to say thank you guys for listening and for supporting the sponsors of the show. When you guys shop at MyPillow using the promo code Heidi, we get a percentage of everything that you purchase at the MyPillow store. Christmas is coming. We're going to have a couple more sponsors. Those uh, advertisers really do help us. Thank you guys for sharing this podcast and for uh, supporting this show financially. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to join me for the month of October for my study on identity, I would love to have you. You can sign up today at momstronginternational.com. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you back here with the amazing Alex Newman tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.